I have some stuff written, but I'm not sure if I'm going to go with it because I was thinking about some other things while listening again to the readings. But the Gospel of Matins and the Gospel we just read are, are a continuation of the same chapter, of John chapter, John chapter 6. And it's a very good framing Gospel for this discussion about the resurrection and this, this time of feasting of the church. The first part is the miracle that you've all heard about, right? Where Christ blessed the five loaves and the two fish. Lots of food came about. Everybody was very happy. They were so excited. And so everybody wanted to be with Christ because they wanted food, right? So it says that Christ left them. He went in a boat with the disciples separately. They come running around to the other side of this tiny lake waiting for him to arrive. And Christ confronts them in the morning's gospel and says, You're not here because of the word that I'm speaking, right? You're not here because of anything. You are here because you ate. And if anybody was dissenting, we we don't really hear what they said. But then he goes on and says, but you're looking for the wrong kind of food. You're looking for the food that is going to end, but there's a food that is different than your food. There's a food that when it gives life, it gives life eternal. It's very similar to a couple of chapters before where he says to the one by by the well, there's a water that when you drink of, you don't thirst anymore. Right? And now he's saying there's a food that when you eat of, you're not going to be hungry in the same way ever again. And they get mad at him for saying that. And they say, who does he think he is? Right? When he says, I am the bread that came down from heaven unless you eat from me. And actually, if you go further in this chapter, almost everybody walks away from him at the end of this chapter. Where he says, no, this is really my flesh. And you really have to eat it. And then it says, everybody got up and walked away. And then he even looks at the disciples and says, do you want to leave too? I was saying, I'm very aware of how scandalous what I'm saying sounds. But I'm not backtracking from it. Do you want to leave? And they say, to whom shall we go? And he, Peter is always fast to speak. Even though we saw last two weeks ago, he, he denies him anyway. But why are we talking about that? The people who were sitting around Christ who wanted the food were people just like us. They were people who got into the normal flow of religion. And if there was something exciting going on in church, you'd had more attendance. Jesus was exciting, right? So it was, okay, here's the guy. They say he does miracles, right? It's like, it's like oh, they say that guy's a good speaker. They say that guy's got a cool story, right? That person had this happen, that person had this. But it's, it's just part of a flow, It's part of a flow in a way that it gets forgotten that it's not customs. That religion wasn't about customs. It wasn't about just the 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 harakat, the movements, right, that we do. But that this was based on something true, right? That there's something real behind it, which I think we've come to do within the church as well. Where now it's like, okay, maybe it's a bunch of Egyptians that get together with a couple of non-Egyptians saying, yeah, this is what we like to do. But it's not at all supposed to be about that. What it's supposed to be about is supposed to be about 
this event of the resurrection, this bread of life which came down from heaven that when it's put into the oven and, and dies, it rises, right? And it comes out as food that we receive our life from. Imagine if... Imagine if, and I overuse this analogy, you were going to high school and you understood that no matter what you did, you could not pass. There was absolutely no point because going in, no matter what you do, you're not going to pass, you're never going to graduate. It would become absolutely hopeless and useless. Right? Now imagine if you are in high school anyway, just failing year after year after year as everybody does. Right, And then everyone around you is being like, what's the point? Why are you bothering to do this? Why are you even studying? Because studying is dumb. Because even if you study, you're not going to pass. It's all going to go for nothing. And you have another group of people who are saying, well, we have a cool idea for how to get through our life in high school. We're just going to do, insert whatever thing that they're into. Another crew that has another idea. This is exactly what the world is right now. Right? And everybody's forming their little clubs about what do we do to kill time since we're never going to graduate high school. We just need to sit here until we die because no one's going to pass high school. What would be the one event that would change that outlook? It would take just one person to graduate high school. To be able to say, I might be able to pass high school. And if that one person graduated high school, then suddenly whatever it is that that person did becomes meaningful. Because then because what did that person do so that they could pass high school? Because the rest of us, we just sit here until we die. This is what happened in the resurrection. I don't think we think about that. Up to that point, everybody just died. Right? And so there'd be arguments even among the religious. The, the Sadducees and the Pharisees used to have debates about whether there was even a resurrection. Right? It's not like they had it as a doctrine that they were certain about a resurrection. Right? They didn't have any of that. And if there was not a resurrection, as St. Paul says, then of all men we are most miserable. Right? Because if Christ didn't really rise, then what we're doing here today is completely pointless. He's just another guy who lived and went through high school and died in high school and never made it. And that means that anything that he did is as meaningful as anybody else who went to that high school. But if he really rose, then something's really true and suddenly we have questions to ask. And this is why the readings that we were reading about today are all saying, if you know that Christ is risen, if you know it, not just a random story that you keep telling, but if you know that Christ is risen, it's impossible for you to remain the same person. Because everything is now different. Now you know that there is something beyond high school. Now what you do in high school suddenly means something and that now there's something, maybe not just means something, maybe there's something that you're supposed to do. This is why in the Catholic epistle it says, we all know that anyone who's born of God can't sin. He doesn't mean that a person born of God can't physically sin. We clearly physically do it all the time. Right? He's saying that how could you, knowing the reality of the resurrection, 
how could you, knowing the cost that it was for you to be where you are, how could you then sin? I do it all the time. But that's what he's trying to say, is that there should be a conviction if there's an understanding of who it is. Look at the apostles and their change before and after the resurrection. Right? I like that the Gospels don't hide from us that the disciples were wimps, cowards, and really not often very intelligent, no offense, the saints, right? but we see through the Gospels that they're not always quick. Right? And we see a group of people who, at the minute that Christ was in trouble, everybody ran. Right? It's not like they were like, no, 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 he's going to rise, we got this. Right? We see that within no time, Peter's denying him. Right? Judas is the one who betrayed him. Right? The other nine are in an upper room hiding out. And John is the only one who's, who's following him as we saw during Holy Week. When the Lord is dead, right, as far as they're concerned, they're petrified. Right? They're, 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 not, they're not in a good place. Right? It's now that their hero, this guy that made a big fuss, it turns out he's just like everybody else. He's not going to pass high school. That's what it looked like. So what did they do? They sat in a room, right? They were afraid for their death. They were afraid for being kicked out of the temple, right? Now, on a logical level, if Christ didn't really rise, if Mary didn't see him and Peter and them didn't see him and then they didn't see him in the room, what would be the most logically advantageous thing for somebody in the apostles' shoes to do? The most logical thing to do, just so that you can survive, is to just go back to the people who hate you and be like, I've got the inside intel. I was with the guy that you hate. Turns out he was a nobody. We were mistaken. We were brainwashed. And all these people who are believing him, we can help you because we know more than anybody now that he's a fraud. But these people who are petrified are now the ones that we're going to see throughout the Holy 50, are the ones who go out and they get murdered for saying, we know that he rose. That's why they were killed. They were killed for proclaiming that he really rose. Right? This was their issue. Right? When the woman came to them from the tomb, it says they counted it as idle tales. In modern English, in English, fairy tales of being like, in Arabic, darwasha, kerem, whatever expression you want to use, that's how they viewed it, of being like, yeah, 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 whatever. Right? And that's why even Thomas, who is very honest, who we read about last week, was saying, I can't go say he rose, I never saw it. Right? I, I can't go say that. You guys saw it, I didn't see it, I'm not going to say that. Right? And then Christ comes again for him. Why? Because if they were going to preach that the Lord was risen, as the eyewitnesses, they had to really eyewitness that he rose. Because how would they be willing to put up with all the suffering that they put up with if it wasn't true? If the disciples, as a result of proclaiming the risen Lord, got rich, we could question, right? If a result of the risen Lord, suddenly they were like the most prestigious in the temple and they had social standing better than everybody else's, there'd be something to question. But the immediate results of the resurrection for them was pain, suffering, and death, which is what Christ said would happen. They hated me, they'll hate you. They killed me, they'll hate you. But fear not, 
for I have overcome the world. They didn't understand that overcoming would be in his death and his resurrection, and that, that might of the resurrection would be what gives him, us and them, power in the world. Right? That takes us a step above. It's saying, now that you know that I died and rose, your food can't just be bread anymore. Now you have to eat another kind of bread too. Now you know that the spirit is real because you saw that I overcame death. That's not normal, right? Of the 12 apostles, 11 were murdered, right? We call them martyrs, right? Factually what happened is that they were murdered, right? And because of, of, of their certainty of seeing the risen Lord is why they were able to suffer even unto death. Right? We'll read in the next couple of weeks how they were beat up for proclaiming Christ. That the, the, the priest brought them in, gave them a good beating, being like, okay, just stop now. And they're like, we can't stop. We're not gonna not, we're, we can't not say what we saw. Do to us whatever you want. Suddenly, because of the resurrection, they didn't fear the social systems of that high school. Suddenly, so these arguments that people have in the high school of why are you bothering, why are you this, why are you bothering to study, why are you, insert all the different random debates that we have today, whether they're political, social, the, all these things that we're having, is that suddenly there's a group of people saying, we don't care about your argument because we now know that something's true. When we didn't know it was worth all this nonsense that we're having and we can have all the debates and see which, which idea I like the most. Now that I know, I have no interest in it. Now I have power even over it in my mind, over the randomness and the meaningless conversation we have of saying, but I know that Christosanisti. Now things are different. Now suddenly my life here has a meaning because I now know there really is life after. If I didn't know that, I could be debating what should I do with my life? What is the meaning of life? And have those nice, long philosophical debates. But if I know that Christ is risen, my life now has a meaning. And if I know that Christ is risen, I now know that there's things that I ought to do because it's real. It's not just a story. May God grant us that we live this reality. If you haven't lived this reality, question it. Ask, ask yourself, who is Christ in my life? Is he just an idea? Is church just a social club right, that I don't even like? Right? Is, is it a place where we just do random customs? Am I like the people that are sitting around Christ, just sitting there to get some food at the end of the day and say, thank you for the food? Right? Like that Christ challenged and said, you're not here for me, you're here for the food? Or am I here because of Christ and who he is, who he was, and who he will forever be? The Lord, our God, the King of all ages, to him be glory, now and always, and to the age of all ages. Amen.